amazing how things spark memories and as I'm listening to those guys and th there was a uh, those most of you know I grew up in Missouri and so um, we could get some pretty vicious storms at times out there and and uh, I, I remember the the one time where we'd just gone through one of those and I stepped out on the front porch and saw a beautiful rainbow and just remembered the goodness of God and and uh, then it, it just took me earlier in that evening when that, that storm had come and uh, I'm a big chicken when it comes to storms. I hate storms. I don't, you guys that like to watch them come in all that, fine, all right, I'm going to the basement, call me when it's over and uh, we didn't have a basement in our house, but how many of you grew up with a storm cellar or a root cellar or whatever? And we always had all of our canned goods down there. We had a big garden, and so we would can lots of stuff. Sam, Melanie, just like you guys, and uh, had all kinds. And then we had a potato bin down there, and you know, and, and then you'd, they'd send you down there in the dark at night, you know, to get some potatoes, and you'd reach down, you'd grab one where the eyes had kind of grown and you'd think you'd grab the snake or something and smash that potato and you know but i'll never forget though how when we had to go from our kitchen door there was a sidewalk with a little landing and then you go down a step and then you open the door we had this like a building above ground and then you open that door and you go down into the cellar and uh that was always the scariest part, jumping from that kitchen door to that cellar door. But then I always remembered how safe I felt once I got down there. You know, and, and you get down in that cellar, and, and it was quiet. And uh, we just sat down there and, and talked and, and uh, you know, and thanked the Lord for his safety. And, and uh, you know, there's times where all of this just flooding my mind as they're singing that you know there's just times where you just need to go in that cellar with the lord let him talk to you and and just be there till the storm passes by right and uh he's got it and we just need to trust him and let him minister to our hearts during that time and sometimes you just don't need to do anything other than just get in the cellar and let the lord talk to you and uh find that peace and that safety in him so um, so that's a blessing. I, I hope this has been a blessing here. I, kn I know we've been talking about the battle for the minds, but here in the last couple of Sundays, I've kind of taken in a direction of, of uh, how we ought to have peace in our hearts and peace in our minds because of knowing of the impending judgment that's coming on this country and on this world. And, and so I've gotten into some things that that are prophetical that haven't taken place yet and so uh it has brought up several questions i'm always i'm always listening when when i have people that will call me or text me or talk to me afterwards and and ask me questions about uh the message and and it uh so i do listen to you and seems like there are some things that i i need to explain and so today's message is Definitely going to be a little different, but uh, it, it's just going to be, um, well, you'll just have to see, all right? But um, it's going to help you understand, I hope, more about what we call the rapture and knowing and understanding more of what 
what is going to take place at that moment of what we call the rapture. Now, one of, one of the questions that, ha, that has been asked to me, and you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17, but one of the questions that was asked, why do we call it rapture when the actual word rapture is not used? And so I'll show you, okay? And so just uh, if one person asks this question, there's probably many who are thinking the same thing. And so today's, today's message is actually an answer to many, some of the questions, well, I hope it answers all of the questions that were asked uh, to me personally, and hopefully it will answer any other questions that you may have about the rapture, the resurrection, second coming. We're, we're still going to deal with the second coming and some of that later, but today we're going to look at the rapture and, and why we call it rapture and, and, and what, what really is it, okay? So First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writing this to the Thessalonians, and in verses 16 and 17, and we'll look at verse 18 also, for the Lord himself, talking about Jesus, okay, he shall descend from heaven with a shout, and that shout is a shouted command, okay, so that, that word is talking about not just a shout, but it's a command, all right, and, uh, um, and, and to come up, all right, and so to come to him, and, and with the voice of the archangel, and and uh, so probably be angels there too, and and his voice will be very loud, and with the trump of God, and and I'm not look, I don't know what the sound will be. I don't know necessarily the exact words that he will use. I don't necessarily know uh, even what the trumpet the trump is going to sound like. If it will sound like a uh, a trumpet that we hear uh, today that people play, or is it going to be a different type of a instrument? But whatever it is, we will recognize it. That's the thing. And uh, this won't be a question about, ooh, what is this, or anything like that. As soon as this happens, all of those that know Christ as their Savior are going to recognize this. And it's the, uh, as he says, that with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's those that since Christ's death on the cross and all of those then that have called on Jesus Christ to be their Savior after the death of Christ, then they will rise first. And so, yes, we're, we're going to see this in a moment. That is a bodily resurrection. And so we'll look at that a little further. And so... Even those ashes that are, that are out there will come together. We know those that are in the, in the caskets are going to come up. We know that those that, they're, um, that have deteriorated back to the dirt, God made us from dirt in the first place. Don't think God can't do it again. He's going to raise your body. It will be a bodily resurrection. And you wonder then how, in the, how is the rest of the world going to explain that away and I was talking to Dwight Smith this morning and, and telling he was asking what I'm preaching on and I told him and and we were talking about this very thing and how's the world going to explain this and at times we thought they'd try to give some logical explanation but it's what we see in our world today and their total denying of God and everything I, I, I wouldn't necessarily think they're going to say anything other than just deny it ever happened and so and just move on and and deny the whole thing and 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 not post it on YouTube. <laughs> we 
we don't want you to see this. This is against medical information. And so uh, uh, whatever. And uh, wh- whatever, they're, they're going to hold that and keep that from others. And I don't know, but I do know that this is going to happen. I'll show you why as we get into this message, okay? But the dead in Christ, those that know Christ are going to raise from the, they're going, their body is going to raise up. Can you imagine the guy that's out mowing the cemetery that doesn't know Christ as his Savior? I think I'd become a believer really quick. You know, you know what the sad thing is, though? It says also in 2 Thessalonians that those that don't believe, that God sends them strong delusion and they won't believe. You, fine, you don't want to believe me? Then you won't believe me. And you're going to blow your chance of, of doing so. And I believe there will be many who cross that line that whenever that rapture happens, that they could be saved, but they won't be. And they're going to be given that strong delusion to believe, and they're going to continue to believe that and ultimately reject Christ and ultimately end up in hell uh, because of that. But anyway, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And, and, uh, and, that, and uh, the word rise, get up, stand up, rise from the dead, okay? Then we which are alive, hopefully that's us. I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just kind of concerned about the process. Uh, anybody else like that? Just make it quick, all right? And, and let's be done, and, and, and uh, that's okay. But, and, and I don't make light of that, okay? I'm serious about that. We can, uh, but you don't need to dwell on that. But then we which are alive, but it sure be great if the rapture took place, right? Let's just be done and be down to this. And you know what's exciting for me? I was saying this too. What a joy it's going to be to celebrate heaven with everybody sitting here that know Christ is their Savior. Isn't that good? I, I hope that everybody sitting in here has placed their faith in Christ as their Savior. Don't, don't play games with that. Don't, don't try to impress anybody. And don't, don't try to live a lie. Just be open and honest to God, open and honest to those around, and say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him, and I want to trust him today. Well, call on him. It, it's simple to do so. And by faith, call out and ask him to be your Savior and, and pray and, and, and uh, trust him as your Savior. And... and uh, you can do that, and we all can. But we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That word caught up, the two words, caught up, it means to snatch away, to carry away, or to be raptured. That's where we get the word. And so whenever we talk about the rapture, it comes from this very verse in First Thessalonians 4, verse 17, we're raptured away. And, and think about what, what rapture is. When, when I think of being raptured, I, I think of it as a positive thing. I, I think of it as something that's pleasant. I, I think of something that, that y- you are raptured in the beauty of something, and, and you're raptured in the, in, in the enormity of something. And, and, and uh, I, I do believe that God wants us to realize that this is something to be excited about. This isn't something to be afraid of. This isn't something that we, we don't understand everything about it. I don't understand all of this, but I know it's going to happen. And I know that this is the way that things are going to happen. And, and so let's not be afraid of this, but let us truly be excited about this, that we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so in this rapture, we see that Jesus does not come all the way down and plant his feet on this ground. 
he stays in the atmosphere, he stays in the cloud, and from there he raptures us up to him. And so we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And what does he say? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I, I do, I, I hope that today that this can truly be a comforting message. I, I, I was laughing, I was, I was watching that devilish YouTube yesterday. You know what, I think since, since they're going to boot us for misinformation, I'm not going to watch them for a week. They're getting booted off my station for misinformation. So anyway, I was listening to a preacher, or I have several preachers that I follow. I know, I, I'm always preaching against that, okay. And, and so, but I watch some of these guys, and, and this one, he's pretty famous, and, and he's preaching this message, and I told Teresa, I said, he's been watching our live, he's been watching our Facebook live. He's been watching us because he's preaching on how to live in a chaotic world. And I'm like, listen, brother, that's my message, okay? And, but maybe it's that all the pastors all over the country are realizing that we are living in chaotic times, and we need to figure out how to live in a chaotic time, Right? Well, we can live in a chaotic time and still be at peace and have joy and have comfort and, and, and to rejoice in what God's doing. I mean, it's a fantastic time to be alive. And so, so anyway, I hope today that this can answer some of the questions that you have. One of those questions is that where do we get the word rapture? Well, we get it from right here in verse 17, to be caught up, to be raptured, and, and truly a time of joy and a time that we can comfort ourselves. And and, and really then, that helps us in the battle for the mind, doesn't it? Knowing that whatever comes and, and whatever craziness may come in our lives and whatever turmoil that, you know, I was sitting here again this morning. My mind is a dangerous place, you know? And, and, and especially if I've, I, if I've had plenty of rest, then it's racing through the whole song service and everything. And I'm just looking out among the congregation and, and from your conversations that you've had with me, I'm thinking, you know, here's, here's some of the, the weight that these guys are carrying. Here's the weight that these guys are carrying. You know, as I, I'm looking out, I'm thinking, you know, the, the weight that, that everybody's dealing with and the decisions that's going on in their lives right now and, and the heaviness and the struggles and all, all of those things. And look, look uh, my heart's there with you, okay? And, and I want you to succeed. I, I want you to have joy. I, I want you to get past the, the things that might be uh, dragging you down right now, but uh, and and I would take them if I could, but I can, and but I know that the one who does and who can, and I want you to just release them to him and and know that right now the one thing that we really truly need to be concerned about is just walking with God. If we can walk with God, then these other things will be in the priority that they need to be. We will do the things that we ought to do to change the course of the country, to change the course of the world, to change the course of our community, to change the very course of your own family, those things will fall into place. Most important, ultimately, the thing that you ought to be doing today is just doing the very next thing that's right in God's eyes according to the Word of God. You do that and we'll find that things are going to be okay. And we can be comforted in that and not let our mind race around and in things that just aren't true. So here's the day. The fact checkers can go and they can check all of this. These are facts, okay, of why we believe in the rapture and why this is going to happen. Well, because Jesus says that 
his resurrection is true, and our resurrection then will come after his resurrection. He says that. That's true. Fact check it. In the word, eyewitnesses were given. All of that written down in history, and we know that. And so in that, and, and we see that it was also stated in the Old Testament. So first of all, we see how do we know that the rapture is going to take place? Because it represents our resurrection, which Jesus said that his resurrection would come first. He prophesied that before he ever came to earth, all the way back in the Psalms. In Psalm 16, it tells us, and in verse 10, this is what he says. He says, For thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And so, okay, we see that, and here, here is the, here's the, the, a little bit of understanding of what was going on with Old Testament prophets and those that wrote in the Old Testament. They were given information and they knew there was a Messiah coming, but they didn't know necessarily all of the facts of everything that was going to happen. They were given the information that they needed at the time. Here we read that verse 10, and you're like, okay, so Lord, what all is entailed in this? Well, they don't have this, but we do turn over to Acts chapter 13. And that's why we let the Scripture interpret the Scripture and let it speak for itself. And in Acts chapter 13, here we see that, that uh, the preaching of God's Word in Acts 13 and verse 33, and this is what it says. And it says, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, his resurrection, right? As it is also written in the second psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So he quotes Psalm 2. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. He quotes Isaiah 55, verse 3. And then he quotes Psalm 16, 10, verse 35, Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. He died and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. His body is deteriorated. It's gone back to the soil. But he, Jesus, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Jesus Christ, didn't his, his uh, body did not deteriorate. God uh, kept that perfect. And we know that after three days in the grave, Jesus rose again. And so here, we need to understand that the Old Testament is telling us in the Word of God that it fulfills Old Testament prophecy that Jesus will raise again. And he did. And so we need to understand and realize that Jesus' resurrection was Fulfilled by and, and fulfilled Old Testament pro, uh, prophecy. Jesus himself made the statements that he was the resurrection. Remember what he said in John chapter 11? I, I've used this many times in funerals and, and such an encouragement it is. And, and, and I, I go back to this so often anymore and in my own reading just to be an encouragement to me. But uh, if you remember, he's talking to Martha and Martha is there and and Jesus said unto her in verse 23, he said, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, so she knew and understood there is a resurrection. And so that's what she's thinking, that, that his body will raise again from the dead. And she knew that, a physical resurrection, as we see. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection 
and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And so Jesus claimed his own resurrection. He also promised then that if he is going to raise again and that if he is truly the resurrection and the life, if you will trust in him, you'll never die. How good is that? We, no one will die. The, 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 it, it, see, it's not the, it's not the body that truly ultimately makes us who we are. It's our soul. And the Spirit makes us God-conscious of things, but it's the soul that we have that deep down, way down in us, that is who we are, no matter what our body is or what our body looks like. Who we are is truly far more than what we look like on the outside. Who we truly are is way down deep, and that is our soul. That soul lives forever. It's the souls of men that Jesus Christ died for. And we need to understand that one day this old body is going to go away and this old body is going to go back into corruption and this old body is going to go back into the soil. And so here, he, and, and he's telling them that he is the resurrection and the life. He makes that claim. And so we know, we understand, she didn't truly understand everything that he's going to say, but he walks out there and Lazarus come forth and he came out. You know the one bad thing though? about Lazarus there's actually there's two things I want you to give thought to about Lazarus okay first of all Lazarus had to go die again how would that stink I mean you had to die twice and so Lazarus what killed you the first time oh man I had a miserable cold and I got an infection and my ears were killing me and then Pretty soon it went into my nasals, and then pretty soon I couldn't breathe, and I suffocated. Wow. How'd you die the second time? Oh, I got another story for you on that one. Well, I'm out chopping wood and cut my toe off. Got infection. Uh, come all the way up my leg, and pretty soon the infection killed. How would you like to go through that twice? Well, I mean, he did, but he died again. And you know where his body's at today? That old body, that old fleshly body, it's back in the dirt somewhere. You know about Jesus? Jesus died. And his resurrection was a little different than those that he brought to, to life while he was here. He didn't die. Jesus is very much alive today. Jesus' body is not in that grave. The only one of all the religions that are out there, the only one that celebrates an empty grave, Christianity. And oh, how we can rejoice in knowing that Jesus Christ is alive today. And he made the claim that he is the resurrection. And it was a bodily resurrection. We, we, we know that. Matthew 28, it, he, he gives us that information in a couple of places. Well, more than one. But Matthew 28 and verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. It wasn't just his soul that rose. It was his body. He's gone. He walked out of that tomb. We know that later on that he met up with the with the disciples, and they talked to him. And, and, and you remember also that he met up with Thomas, and Thomas said, I won't believe it until I put my hand in the hole in his side and see the prince in his hands. And, and that doubting Thomas was there in that, at, that, at, at that meeting, and Jesus walks in and says, here's my hands, Thomas. You, you want to put your hand in the hole in my side? Well, right here it is. 
Uh, Thomas say, I don't need to see. I, I don't need to touch that. Jesus, I see. I was wrong. You, you are very much alive. When Mary clung to him, all, even hanging on to him, and we think about that, and and so we know that. So first of all, it fulfills Old Old Testament prophecy that he would raise, and that it'd be a physical body resurrection. Jesus made the claim himself, and if he wasn't the resurrection, then he'd be a liar. He's not a liar. He tells us the truth, always has. Jesus' resurrection was a bodily resurrection. And why do I say that, and why do we care? Well, because turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. And here he shows us the importance of the resurrection. First of all, how does he start out chapter 15? Verses, he tells us in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So he, he, they have received the gospel. They stand in the gospel. What is the gospel? By which ye also ye are saved. It's by the gospel that you're saved, right? If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. And so make sure that your faith isn't fake. Make sure that you are totally all out. Trusting in what Jesus has said. You might not understand everything, but you know that he's true and you're trusting in him for everything. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Do you know that? Do you realize that? Jesus not only died, but he died for your sins. You personally. Oh, the, the love that drew him and, and, and put him on that cross is truly something that's unimaginable to to most of us, and to think, why in the world would you do that for someone like me? And, and here he did that, and why did he do that? Because the Scripture said that he would do that. He's God himself. He's going to do exactly what he says he'll do. All the way back in Genesis 3, in verse 15, there he told Adam and Eve that he would destroy Satan. And Satan would try to destroy him by bruising his heel and thinking that he had nailed him on that cross and had, had, had uh, uh, discouraged and stopped the very plan of God. And what Satan didn't know is that was the very plan of God, to die on that cross for the sins of the world. And those who want to call on him, understanding the, the sacrificial death that took place for our sins. And, and then he goes on and, and he says in that he was buried. And, and we know that he was buried because he was dead. He wasn't in... Uh, he, he didn't pass out from the pain. He didn't uh, uh, go into some coma at that time. He died on that cross. He poured out himself on that cross. And that soldier that went up there and poked him, the water and the blood that came out and showing and proving that that man had died on that cross. And so they took him off that cross and they buried him in that tomb. And so here we see the gospel being presented. His death, but we don't stop at his death. And, and he's still not hanging on that cross. And he doesn't go back to the cross every time that, that you have committed a sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross one time, and he doesn't keep going back there. It was sufficient on the one time. And he was buried in that tomb, in that dark, ugly tomb, in that, that uh, dingy place. And they roll that rock in front of him, and nobody can move that out. And, and he is buried in that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Oh, how vital is the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have no gospel. Jesus is dead. He's in the grave. He was a man. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Without the resurrection, 
That's what chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is saying because there were those that had the audacity to be teaching that there was no such thing as the resurrection. You know what those guys were called? Sadducees. Now you see why they were sad, you see? (laughs) Didn't believe in the resurrection. It is true. It has to be true. We have to trust what God has said. I'll tell you what, I put a whole lot of stock in this. I'll base my entire life on the truth of what God's Word says before I trust anything else out here. God is true, let all men be liars. Oh, God is true in what He tells us. And so He and then He goes on. And, and so we see that the importance of this is that is the gospel, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And and you trust in all of that saved. Uh, saving work that Jesus Christ is that it really is salvation really is simple we want to make it hard and we want to make it difficult and and I've had people say to me well it just seems like that's just too easy and that there's there's got to be more to it well if you add to that then there's no such thing as grace then you're earning it well God is full of grace and God is full of love holiness and righteousness and so because of his holiness and righteousness, he, he had to make the perfect plan, and out of his love, he developed that perfect plan. He would go to the cross for our sins. He would die. He's the one, that, the only one that has the power to raise again, and he rose again on that third day. And when you place all of your faith, everything that you are, all of your heart, in what he has done, Lord, I place my faith in you, to be my Savior. I know that you died on that cross for me, and I know that you died and you rose again the third day, showing me that you are God and that you're true to your word. And Lord, I am trusting you to save me today, and I ask you to be my Savior. That's the prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's what's inside that you're praying that saves you. (laughs) Isn't that good? I love that. You know what he promises us with that? Everything. And so we see the power of his resurrection. But then look down at verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, and he is, preach that, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Give him a good slap right upside the head. So you guys need to pay attention. Maybe not. Okay, I probably just got booted for showing violence now. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? Those people are foolish to say that when you're dead, you're dead, and there's nothing. You're just in the ground, you're dead. That man is a fool. And so, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Those that have died before you, that have known Christ as their Savior, they perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know, I had, I had somebody years ago come and tell me that, you know, even if this isn't true, and, and you lived a life that, that would be pleasing to Christ, then you're going to live a much better life. And I say baloney. Okay? You're, you're most miserable if all we have is this life. 
There, there is, why? If, if this is all we have in this life, then go get everything you can get and enjoy this life for all that it's worth because uh, if you're just dead and in the ground, then everything else is a waste to be doing anything for anybody else. That's the epitome of communism and evolution. So strong as the most fit survive and nobody else does. That's baloney. That's the Hebrew word. You're most miserable. But we're not. That's what we take comfort in. But now as Christ risen from the dead, and get this, and become the first fruits of them that slept. Whenever we think about first fruits, we think of a well, we think of a tithe. When when the farmers in the in this in the in this culture and in this day and old testament time, they would go out and they would plant all of their seed, right? And they'd grow that all up and tend it along the way. And then whenever it came time to harvest it, they'd go out and, and they would harvest all that they had. And you know what they did is that they would give God the first fruits. They actually had a festival for that. And, and it was there at the very beginning of, of their harvest, that first 10% of all the harvest that came, not the last 10%, okay, not the leftovers, the 7 or 8% or, or the 0.5%, the very first 10% of everything that came in. And, and should I go there? Should I, should, I, should I tread on some things or not? Okay? This is actually before we, we give thought and, and, we, and we take out all of the, 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 the slaves that we had out there uh, taking in, in all of the, the stuff and the money we spent on our bags and, and the money that we spent on our, our donkey feed and our, and our ox feed. And, and Lord, we need to take all of that out to really ultimately I'll give you 10% of the $12 that I made. That's what some do. I know I tread there and, and make some people up, uh, uh, uncomfortable, but God deserves the very best and the very first. Be brave. Be courageous. Do you believe what God's Word says? I, and, and you'll find that God will bless that. But here, that's chasing the rabbit. I'll get off of that. But that's what a first fruit is. Give him the first and an example of of what you are expecting and what is going to happen after that, okay? Well, it says that his resurrection is the first fruit of something that's getting ready to happen. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Well, who's that? Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, the, the, and I say this, and I know I, I say it over and over, but I hope you get it. Everything that Jesus represents is life. Everything about him is life. I mean, when, when he's walking through the street and somebody touched him, they weren't cursed. They were healed. When, whenever he came to the dead, what happened to them? They rose. I, I, I'm, those that were sick, he healed them. Those that couldn't hear, he, he let them hear. Those that couldn't see, he let them see. I mean, everything about Jesus from day one has always been about life. 
And here then when Jesus comes back and he's in that cloud, then what is he representing? He, he's, still, he's still not representing judgment at that very moment. He's representing life and it's life to everyone that has believed. And now your soul which is in heaven, which went there, absent from the body, present with the Lord, your soul is in heaven at that very moment when your body is raised then you come together, and now you have that perfect body. Now, there are those that are in heaven today. Their soul is in heaven, but they're still waiting for that perfected body. But it'll come. It'll come. And that gives somebody in heaven some anticipation also. Lord, when is it going to be? I know that whenever I get that, when I get that perfect body, Lord, I know that that's the time when, when you are going to rise up and it's then that we're going to see the, that the unbelievers are finally going to be put down in their place where they need to be and you are going to be truly exalted and glorified and magnified for who you are. And so even in heaven today, can you imagine every, I, I, I don't even know how they judge time up there. You know, there, there's, no, there's no darkness and uh, always lit by God's glory. I'm not sure how they tell time or anything, and, but, but we know that they're just sitting there waiting and anticipating that day that, oh man, I can't wait to see that day when I'll have my glorified body. And, and not only that, but I'm going to get to see my loved ones again that, that I know that have trusted Christ as, as their Savior. And I'm looking forward to that day and, and knowing that Jesus Christ will be true to his promises. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. He's the first one to raise from the dead in incorruption and into perfection. Jesus is the first one to do that. Oh, there were some that were raised from the dead, but guess what? They died again. And, oh, there was a second point to Lazarus. I thought I'd point this out. I, I don't, and, and I'm not, I'm not undermining what others have done, but I question these things. I don't see any of those people who rose from the dead writing a book and becoming a millionaire on what they saw in heaven. I, I think that we cheapen who God is. And I think if, if we truly wanted to know, and, and, and we know everything that we're going to know about heaven written in his perfect word. Now, what they wrote, is it real? I don't know. I have a real hard time trying to make money off of something that's God's, okay? We can all write a book when we get to heaven, and we'll share it with each other. Be careful with some of those things. And so here we, we see that, first of all, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. And so I conclude all of this then with what does this mean for us? Well, it means just what he said. It means a literal, physical resurrection. And when he comes, and he comes in the cloud, and he blows the trump, that the dead in Christ shall rise. And then it tells us that those who are alive will be caught up, and we will be with him forever in heaven, and we'll have our glorified body. And some have then asked, so, well, what is that? What is that glorified body? I, I, I want to know what it is. Well, I'll answer it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, 
Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know what it'll be, but I know it'll be perfect. And I know in that very moment that if he waits and tarries and and this old body is in the grave, that when it comes up out of that grave, at some point in time, between the time I exit out of the earth and I hit where Jesus is at, it'll be perfect. Won't that be good? Jeff, you'll have a full head of hair. Or those that don't will be saying we're all bald like the rest of them. No more sore joints when you get up in the morning. No more headaches. I wonder if we'll, I wonder what he considers to be the perfect body, Nick. Will we all be like, you know, muscles? And, or maybe, Joe, we've been working on the perfect body. I don't know. All I know is that it'll be perfect. And I don't know what he just said, but I'll amen it. You know what Paul said, and I'll end with this. In 2 Corinthians 5, we won't go there. They said, you know what? We groan. There, there are times where we groan and, and, and cry out to God, Lord, just give me that body. Take me and, and give that to me. And, but you know what? I see Paul said, yeah, we, we can do that, and, and, and we can want that, that wonderful, perfect tabernacle that, that will house the Holy Spirit forever, and, and that's a good thing, to look for heaven. But if you're not there yet, you've got a purpose. You've got a purpose right here where you're at, to serve him and to glorify him, and it doesn't really matter how wicked and crazy things might get. I'm not saying that they will. God could still do a wonderful, great revival in this country and in this world and do something that we never thought could ever possibly happen. And God could do that. I pray he does. I pray he starts with us. Let it happen right here. And we live our lives with the joy and the expectation. It could be today. Today could be the day when in that great cloud, Jesus is there. He says, come on up. Come on up. And he blows that trump. And away we go. To spend an eternity with our Savior and with each other. What a glorious day that will be. When Jesus I shall see. Let us praise him. And let us walk with him. And let us be comforted with what his word has to say. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. And Lord, we trust and believe everything that you say. And we want it to be fulfilled in our lives. And, you, and we want to be men and women of faith that you will use and, and guide us and, and help us. And every decision we make will be in light of what your word says and, and your leading of the Holy Spirit and being exactly what it is that that you're wanting us to be here in this time. And, and Lord, so many are searching. And, Lord, you choose to use us. And what a wonderful, wonderful privilege that is. And, and so help us. Help us not to live in fear. Help us not to live in, 
in disobedience to your word, but convict us quickly and guide us and, and open and reveal the truth to us and help us to live according to what we know in the word to be true and, and let us walk with you and, and use us, Father. And Lord, I pray that you'll do great things in our lives. I pray you save those that need to be saved. I pray that you change the hearts of those that are believers that walking in carnality and will just turn all those things over and just be wholeheartedly, 100% committed, live for you. Guide us, Father, use us and instruct us. And Lord, we praise you today in Jesus' name, amen.